All right, people, welcome to episode number 45. Today, we have a very special guest, Joe Deradita, the first ever person that I trained in advanced training. He is basically uh, the originator of the program. Joe, how are you doing? I'm good, Coach. Thanks for having me. So I, I could not have you, man. I could not have you. So, so talk me through this. You are a senior in high school. I, I had coached a little bit uh, in the varsity, I think the year before. Maybe your junior year, I coached a little bit. Your senior year, I became defensive coordinator. What made you have enough courage or uh, craziness to want to be the first ever person in advanced training? How, why'd you trust me? Well, after my senior year ended, uh, <clears throat> Coach Manos went over to me and said, uh, you're going to play college ball. And I was thinking, playing with the idea. And then he said, uh, George wants to coach. I was like, who's George? He was Coach Mahoney. <laughs> <laughs> I said, all right. And uh, he said, he's, uh, George is starting like a training program and uh, you should give him a call. So I gave you a call. I said, hey, you know, I'm going to play college football. And uh, he said, all right, we'll set up a date and time, which we did. And he said, meet me here. Don't be late. And I said, OK. And uh, I trusted you based on uh, how you coached our defense that year. I mean, we went to the championship and like <clears throat> you're a little different than the other coaches because you were more of a teacher. And you were a great coach and stuff, but like I saw you had like you broke down like plays and stuff, and like you weren't screaming on the field, guys. You were encouraging them. Like it was more you coaching them and teaching them what's wrong and right, and uh, that's why I put my trust in you. And I, I think uh, back in those days, it's not that you're a hundred years old, but back at, I'd say early two thousand, early two thousands, coaching was a lot different than it is today. A, a lot of motivation was done just by screaming, yelling, getting guys hyped up, I was a little more laid back. Now, there was a lot of great coaches on that staff that got people in that mind, that mindset. But me, you're right, I was, I was kind of a little bit more laid back guy, tried to dissect the game of football a little more because it wasn't my strength. There were guys that had other strengths in, in terms of the screaming and the yelling. But I, I'm glad that you recognized it, even though you were on the other side of the ball. I say, from my perspective, being a defensive coach, I loved watching you play. And one of the things that always stuck out in my head is that you ran to the line of scrimmage out of the huddle. So we <laughs> broke the huddle. You ran to the line of scrimmage. We ran at your senior year. We ran that double wing offense and it just scared people. Why did you do it? Why did you run out of the huddle every time? So uh, when uh, my junior is when coach Manos came, long story short, and uh, he had the first coaching staff and uh, the offense was running shoot and it didn't work out. And then uh, my senior, uh, Coach Manos brought uh, Coach Hench on. And Coach Hench said, uh, we're going to run a double wing offense. And at the time, that's when spread offenses were just starting to take off. It was taking off like crazy in college. Nobody was running the ball anymore. And Coach Hench is like, we're never going to throw the ball. <laughs> we're going to run every single play down their throat. So we went through ca training camp and whatnot. And uh, something stuck out with me with that was uh, Coach Hench went up to me and goes, you do realize you control the whole tempo of this offense. And uh, for you guys that don't know the offense it was, it's literally a running back. Everyone's pulling and everyone's running. There's no receivers. Everybody is running right down the gullet of the defense. And uh, our play that year was uh, two dive. That was our like bread and butter. We used to get it's supposed to get like a yard, maybe a couple inches. We used to get like five yards a pop for that. And uh, now is two is two dive is that what I know is wedge where you guys just yeah. running the ball straight up the middle? Yeah, the wedge. Yeah, that's, that's uh, it, it was two dive, and then became the wedge. It ran the ball right off my ass. I hope you don't gotta edit that out. <laughs> right we'll leave my, that one in. We'll leave that one in. Right off my backside, we ran right down the middle, and uh, we'd get like five yards of pop on that. Sometimes we just break it for a touchdown. But uh, I remember Coach Hench going up to me, goes, "You control the whole tempo." I go, "Well, if I control the whole tempo, why don't I sprint to the line?" Because I liked it. I mean, we just abused every defense we played. They were not prepared for it. No one knew what it was. They couldn't defend it, and we would just maul every defense alignment by the third quarter they were gassed they couldn't take it anymore and they didn't want to take it anymore i remember i just i used to i used to sprint as fast as i can out of the huddle and set the whole thing and i remember being a, a defensive coach going against you and we'd be in set the tone and our guys would be tired i just see you sprint out and i'm like god 
He's winning already. They're winning this thing already just by the fact that this kid is running to the line of scrimmage, grunting, you know, just being a savage, ready to go. And I'm like, ah. And we had a pretty good defensive line at that point. But going against you every day was a a nightmare, a nightmare. So when you played in college, uh, did you guys play a a more spread (laughs) offense? What did you guys play? So I went from running, well, we never passed. With the total opposite of spread offense, which I, I shouldn't have, I should have asked before I even went to the college. They're like, oh, yeah, we don't run the ball. We pass every play. I'm like, holy crap. So it, it was a big adjustment for me because I had to learn how to. I mean, I knew how to, Coach Ross used to teach us how to pass block and whatnot, but like I had to go totally 180 and learn how to pass block well. And uh, that the sprint into the line, I mean, we used to have a lot, we used to do a lot of no huddles. I mean, we were already lined up. We did a lot of hand signals and whatnot. Total 180. And uh, I did miss the running, though, the, the run block and whatnot. And I, I remember one of, like one winter you came back. Maybe it was one summer you came back from college, and you were literally sprinting from one station in the gym to the next. Was that something you guys did in your, in your college weight room? Not at all. <laughs> that was just me. This was just you being a nut. Yeah, man. No, no one ever did that. I just, I just like to do it, man, because I hate wasting time in the gym. I hate dilly-dallying. And, like, you know what I mean? You go to a public gym, I mean, and you go right now, I mean, everyone's on a New Year's resolution. So it's, it's doubles packed. It kind of, excuse my language, sucks. But you're, you're in the gym. Like, you got to work out to do. You got 10 exercises you got to do. And I hate waiting around for something. You're wasting my time. You're wasting my momentum. I don't want to be there for an hour and a half because I'm waiting for something. So when I'm on something and I'm done and I see something open up, I still sprint. <laughs> so how, how, let me ask you this. You're, you're going to the gym now. You're still training. How do you avoid waiting? Do you go at a certain time? Do you schedule your program around not having to wait on stuff? What do you do? Uh, I tried everything. I go at certain times. But I mean, life's crazy. It throws wrenches at you. So you got to do what's best for you. I, I get it in. Sometimes uh, – I'll go in the mornings at 5 a.m., which I absolutely despise. I actually like to go late at night. I, that's when I'm the strongest and I feel ready to go. But then again, it also messes up your sleep. Right. But, uh, <laughs> it screws up your sleep. <laughs> but, sleep, uh, sleep is for Jack people. He's uh, making a subtle reference to another podcast that we had that really did talk about the impacts of sleep and how it will basically derail everything you're trying to do if you don't get enough of it. So do let me ask you this. When we trained, I know we, we were at Dolphin for a while. We were kind of going at, at regular gym times. And, and uh, let me take a step back before I get to that because I have to ask you that question. But I got to take a step back. So you made insane physique changes in the first three months. I, I remember people coming up to me and saying, what are you doing with that kid? Now, I haven't done anything differently with you. I'd say basically the general principles have been the same since back in 2004. But I remember specifically – your, your traps were banging out of your shirt. You just started to look completely different. What do you think it was? I know it was a long time ago, but was it diet? Was it just because it was a new way of exercising, or was it a combination of both? What happened to you? It 100% was not diet back then. I mean, we didn't have smartphones. I mean, you want to go on the computer. You went home to your home computer. So I didn't have knowledge back then of nutrition. Like, I wish I did, but it was just literally just training, try training your ass off as hard as you can. I mean, I never and, quit on a rep. I never quit, complained, stopped, or anything. No, it, it, you, you kind of spoiled me because the, the first guy I ever trained never questioned anything. I, I could have tell, told you to stand in front of the Staten Island Railway I and, and, hold, hold, and you would have done it. And I put you through some crazy stuff. Did you know at any time that I was experimenting with you that you were basically my – my human guinea pig? <laughs> yeah, a couple of times because you told me like, yeah, hey, we're going to try something out. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> so, again, for those listening, this is the first guy I'm ever training. I went through my own protocol in college with a, you know, my college coach, but there were things that I wanted to experiment with. Sometimes I'd try them on me. I'd try it on me before I saw Joe, but I wanted to see how it, it was working on somebody else. So I'd, I'd kind of run him through some, some wacky stuff. So on that note, what do you think are two of the craziest things you ever did at advanced training? But to go back on that though, you didn't, you didn't just try stuff for the sake of trying. I mean, you did research <laughs> and you had knowledge and a plan of what you wanted to achieve with that. That is true. I was not trying to just throw something out there to, to throw something out there. A hundred percent. The two craziest things 
with quarter squats. <laughs> I think it was one hundred forty percent of your max. Yep. So let let me explain what that is. Imagine you're in a squat rack. You take the safety pin and you put it about three quarters of the way up from where you'd finish your squat. So not like you're not at parallel. You're about three quarters of the way up, and you just basically on racking the weight off of that pin. So we call it a quarter squat because you're only going a quarter of the way up. And we, the, the max percentage on that, sorry, the working percentage on that was 140% of your max. And I don't know if you remember, to make it worse, it wasn't a back squat. It was a front squat. Front squat, yeah. It, <laughs> and I remember looking at your wrists. I thought they were going to snap outside of your skin. I mean, the, the weight was so heavy. And let me also mention that you know, I'm training this guy coming out of high school, and he's squatting 5'10". So it's pretty humbling for me as a person. The first person I ever train is extremely strong, much stronger than me. And now I'm watching this poor kid's wrists almost snap out of their socket as you're doing that quarter squat. People uh, we used definitely. To do, we used to do the Olympic holds too with the wrist. Not, not yes. Just... Yep. Yep. So, uh, so what was the the second craziest thing you ever did? The bowling pin workout. <laughs> now, do you want to give a description of what that was? I still have bowling pins in my garage, by the way, and I have a bad feeling I'm going to be breaking them out uh, one of these days for these, I... this tough man workout. I got those bowling pins right now sitting in my closet. <laughs> so from your memory, again, I know it was a long time ago. We're going on uh, 15, 16 years. What did, what did that workout entail with the bowling pins? It was eight rounds of two minutes straight. And it was like arm. It was like you took the pins, you went up and down, uh, arm circles, and you just kept going. And at first, you're like, "This is ridiculous. This is gonna, this is so easy." <laughs> By the third round, man, you weren't saying that. You were wishing you were dead. So uh, the reason we like bowling pins, so just like he, like Joe's saying, it's kind of just arm circles or front raises with them. But the majority of the weight, if you're holding the pin from the tip of the the head of the bowling pin, I'm not a professional bowler, so I don't know what this thing's supposed to be called. But if you're holding the the tip of that bowling pin, the smaller end, the majority of the weight's at the other end. So as Joe said, after, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes of doing this, your arms start to feel like they're going to fall off your body. And you also reference that you still have them, which is awesome. I used to go to bowling alleys and ask them for old beat-up bowling pins, and it wasn't easy. They, would, they didn't have any idea what I was doing with them. They didn't want to give it to me. So uh, I'm glad you kept it because it was very hard to actually get bowling pins for everybody. <laughs> it was a good workout, though. I'm not going to lie, but that, that was brutal. So that was one of the hardest workouts I've ever done in my life. So you're recommending I bring them out uh, one oh, yeah. of these mornings to, oh, to Owl well, yes. Howell Park or whatever oh, yeah. it's called. A hundred percent. So you said before that you never missed a workout with me, which you didn't. You weren't late. Uh, you were you were the model gym guy. You were the model student. What were you like in high school in the weight room with Coach Manos? Were you the same exact way? Were you always a gym rat? So yeah, I was. Uh, well. Because when I came to C, I mean, I was supposed to go to Farrell and play football. Farrell had a perennial powerhouse then, and C was the worst program in the entire city for football. And I still chose C. And when I came there, this guy, Matt Flores, and me, like our freshman year, we had no idea what we were doing. But we used to go to the gym here and there. And then uh, we had an awful coaching staff who left. And Manos came my junior year, and no one bought into what Coach Manos was saying my junior year. I mean, I still went to the gym and I started buying in my junior year. And I noticed like my game, like I, my bench went up, everything went up with coach Manos. And then my senior year, I bought in a hundred percent and I was a gym rat then. I loved it. So what, what made you change your mind? Let me ask two questions. First of all, what made you go to see, even though you wanted to be a football player and Farrell was a perennial powerhouse? Uh, I just want, I just, I just didn't like Farrell. I just wanted to go to six. <laughs> All right, fair school. enough. I went to orientation. I was like, this is not the place for me. And then I knew C had a good education. So, I mean, I was like, I'll play football and go to a good college. Fair enough. All right. I don't want to bash any other high schools out there. But then I'll ask the second question. What do you think changed from year one to year two where people may have not been, bu- may have not been buying into Coach Manos's, uh, I'd say, his mantras and philosophies, and then people started to buy in? What happened? <laughs> I'm not going to say a certain name, but uh, there was a lot of uh, dissent for the coaching staff when Coach Manos came in. I mean, there was one guy in the, the field, our last one of the last practices. 
he screamed like he, he screamed the coach man goes you ruined my senior year and I remember I was like he didn't ruin your senior year man what you put your problems on him you ruined it by not working hard I remember that stuck with me and, you were uh, you were a junior and a senior said that yeah senior said that senior one of the last practices was screamed on the middle of the field that he was screaming in coach Mal's face that you ruined my senior year I remember I was like well maybe if you bought into the program I was like we got to buy in man I was like, what's the worst that can happen? And we all, my, all the seniors bought in that year. And we all did. The, the, the underclassmen, too, that were coming up, they bought in, too. And uh, she became a very good football program for a while. And I think it was a nice match between Coach Manos' tough personality, uh, his, his grinded-out personality, and then bringing that double wing in. It just was a perfect mesh. And then I'll be I'm going to go with Coach Hench on this. As to have, he said this. He said, Joe Derrida is the perfect center for the double wing. So it was the timing just lined up perfectly. You know, everything just hit at the right moment, at least from my perspective as a defensive coach, watching what you guys were doing. Yeah, and you guys, and that whole coaching staff brought competitiveness to us too. I mean, we never had that. And we were having fun with it. So I'm going to, I think that's a great segue back to advanced training. So Let's talk about you had come, you were out of the program for a while. You graduate from college or, you know, you're going to do your own thing in the gym. And then out of nowhere, you come back to this tough man competition on Thanksgiving. And I'm going to emphasize the word competition. What made you come back? Uh, I saw you. I saw I, it was like uh, I was like scrolling through Instagram on the bus on the way home. And I saw uh, an Instagram thing. I was like, oh, coach has podcast. Which one I was like, how's he been? I, so I sent you I sent a message on there and you're like, Give me a call, man. We're having a comp- tough man. I was like, it's been a while. I mean, one of my biggest regrets about advanced training was not sticking to it. And it was part my fault, part just life itself, but I'm not going to put life on it. It was part my fault. It just didn't work out at the time. But that, that was one of my biggest regrets for training, not sticking with it. So when you came back after all these years – and I granted, well, let's say you came back to the, the Thanksgiving tough man, but now you're, you're back, you're training with us. You're actually doing this. You're in, you're in the grind with us. What's changed the most for the better since the last time you were in the program? I mean, well, well I was the first one, so it wasn't, there was no competitions. It was, no <laughs> it was just you, right. It was just me and just me competing against me, myself getting better. I mean, competition brings out the best in everybody. I mean, it's it's hard enough. I mean, sometimes it's hard to motivate yourself, but when you have a guy next to you working his butt off, getting better, and you're staying the same, I mean, that has to light a fire in you. And now, what you know, they talk about uh, generational gaps and millennials. You're, you're with the crew now. There's some guys. There's not a lot. There's a couple of guys that are about your age, and then there's some guys that are significantly younger than you. Do you see a, a disconnect in the way all these guys think, or you think everybody there is of one mindset? No, everyone's different. There's all different mindsets, but uh, I mean, I, there's, I see there's like an intelligence aspect of it that there wasn't there. There's a hard training aspect of it, which I like. But uh, between the millennials and the older guys, I mean, there is a different mindset, of course, but I mean, well, I, I haven't stuck around long enough to make a good evaluation of that. I think you're uh, three, three weeks in. I, I think we're going to see a little more. But I, I, I really do like your point about the intelligence mindset because you're right. I, back in your day, and I'm talking about you like you're a 90-year-old man, but we kind of just went in, we grounded out, and that was it. Nope, nobody really asked questions. They just did whatever I said, and that was it. Now you know, the, the modern athlete is questioning everything. They have questions, and then they're questioning things. Some of these guys are actually now coaches themselves or trainers so they're, they're trying to educate themselves as much as possible. So they are highly knowledgeable about things. I'm learning from them. So you are right. I didn't pick up on that till you said it, but it's definitely a more, I'd say, academic, cerebral type environment. Even with the crazy competition, we've got some super smart guys trying to educate themselves and others in the process. So that, that's a good call on your part. I'm glad you picked it up. Which is great. But, I mean, at one point, you got to stop questioning and just stop putting the work in. That's it. Don't be that guy, right? Don't be that guy. So, uh, so when you came back for Thanksgiving, what did you think your biggest strength was going into that tough man? Oh, the prowler. And what did you think your biggest weakness was going to be? I thought it was going to be sliders. Because <laughs> I thought sliders were, like, face forward. 
and I didn't realize you go backwards with them. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, shoot. I was like, but yeah, slide is definitely a weakness. But at then I'm also, I was like, these are going to be harder because I was bigger then too than I am now. I was doing some strongman stuff and now I'm going to wean down to like about another 40 pounds down. So, so let me ask you this. You know, it was a, a quick day for our team. I think we lost. We were the second team eliminated. I was on Joe Derrida's team on Thanksgiving. Tough man competition. If you had another player there that you wanted to recruit to our team, who would it be? Who do you think would be a great asset to recruit to the old man team? Someone with cleats. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. So, uh, look, if you're trying to do the prowler without cleats, Steve Armato, no disrespect, man, but you are a veteran. You got to bring cleats. It's almost impossible to do without cleats. Did we have we had two guys without cleats, right? Yep. Yeah, we had two out of five guys. Maybe I don't know. Maybe three out of six that had no cleats, and we deserved to lose. We had no shot. <laughs> so let's uh, get back. Yep. Probably Sarno. I, I trade out Sarno. I I don't know many of the guys' names. I'm still learning, but probably Sarno. That's a great call. I mean, the guy's a two-time tough man champ in a row. He won the challenge two years two two years ago. He he's a he he brings it. There's there's nothing bad to be said about that guy. So I think that's a pretty solid pick. So what do you think? What's the one thing you think you bring to this advanced training culture? And I know you've only been back for three sessions, but that that's unique to you. That couldn't be replaced by somebody else. Oh, my tenacity and my hard work. I mean. You're gonna start. You're gonna start seeing it. I'm still learning like that, all of what we're doing. But once I get a hang of everything, that's it. I, well, we, I think we do. We do kind of see it. And I'd say day one, we put you through a pretty brutal, brutal prowler session. And most guys, your size, just give up or they skip a drill. And it's not. It's not even in your mindset. It's not even possible for you to stop. And I, that that day, a lot of these young guys don't know who you are. They met you, and it was immediately. Great addition to the program. We need this guy in the program. We love this guy. Now you're immediately in the crew. Obviously, it's the crew you started 16 years ago, but now they just took you right in as if you're one of their own. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. Um, but you're going to start seeing it this week. We got, by the way, speaking of last workout, we got to turn up the te- intensity with that. A little too <laughs> easy last week. A little too easy. All right. You, you heard it here, 90th. So, uh, Joe, I've been often accused of making the workouts a little too easy because you guys all want to kill yourselves during the workout. Uh, to be very fair to myself, I am trying to ease up on the workout a bit so that we okay. have more in the tank for the challenge, okay. but uh, point taken. And also, Joe Derrida is also the first person to ever bring his own training implement to a tough man. Would you bring a 100-pound sandbag? Yeah. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm loading that up, too, because I didn't think – I didn't know what if it was too hard for certain people or whatnot, but I should have known. That, that's getting loaded back up. Just so you know, uh, James Uske weighs about 140 pounds, so we cannot have the sandbag weigh more than him. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's go back to your senior year. We're working out in Dolphins Gym. Uh, when did you start to realize that what you were doing in the gym was different from everybody else, that you weren't training as some sort of uh, a traditional meathead? Instantly. I mean, with just the, think about the workout we used to do. The, the warm-up, excuse me, the warm-up. Yeah. The warm-up with weights. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess that's a great point. From the second we even started warming up, you knew things were different because most people don't even do that. No. And, I, and, I remember the first, the first couple of times, I was, I was like, oh, this is the workout. And you're like, all right, we're done with the warm-up. I was like, that was the warm-up? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so people that train with me now, even the guys that we trained in high school, the, the warm-up we do is either A, body weight, or B, now we use elite FTS performance bands. Back in Joe's day, this is pre-me knowing about bands, we used weights as part of the warm-up, and it, it was pretty awful, actually. It, it wasn't something – going back in time, I probably wouldn't do that warm-up again because I'd be jacked up and tired by the time we got done with the warm-up. I'd say that's one of the things that I think we improved for the better was cutting that warm-up down. <laughs> so now in, in Dolphin, uh, like I'm, I'm not saying we're better than anybody else, but what did you did you see things there? I don't know, 30, 20 years ago or 15 years ago that have not changed at all to the traditional meathead 
do you think that the, the general population has evolved or are they still doing the same stuff? Oh man. Yeah. The, the gym has evolved in the last 20 years. Uh, some for the better, uh, most for the worse. <laughs> um, I mean, gym culture back then, I mean, used to go to a gym. Gyms were half as packed as they are today. I mean, there is a big, there is a big emphasis on fitness now and people being in shape. But, uh, I mean, that means a lot more people, a lot more interaction with people in the gym. But uh, meatheads are still meatheads. People just leaving weights around, disrespecting the gym. That still goes on. My biggest beef with the gym is someone that does not put their weights back. That is the most disrespectful thing you can do in a gym. I get yep. in space now. I'm like, you better put that weight back, bro. What, uh, what gym do you train at now? I train at two gyms right now because I'm in the process. I, I bought a house in Jersey. Long story short, I'm still renovating it. So I train at the Y in Staten Island. And in Jersey, I train at Jersey Strong, which is a great gym, actually. They actually have a little field in the middle of it. And have you seen other members of advanced training in the gym or even people with advanced training shirts on? Uh, I saw your nephew last week. I got in his face a little bit. I was like, where'd you get that shirt for from? <laughs> So my nephew, senior in high school, St. Joseph by the Sea, poor kid's just working out with an advanced training T-shirt on. Some jacked up guy comes up and basically throws him against the wall. And uh, what'd you think of his workout? Oh little, man, a little finished, too much biceps. I finished an entire workout. They, him and his buddies, were on their second exercise. And he, they, uh, they like they like to look at themselves in the mirror, take pictures. He's got a nice bicep, man. I'll give him that. He's he's got to condition condition that thing and get it all jacked up. He does. He's got that. He's got the bodybuilder type, but he looks like a good cornerback. He could be a good cornerback. He's a great basketball player. He chose the route of not playing football, but I, I always believe that a good a good basketball player makes a good cornerback. Yeah. And who else you singing in there now? I didn't even know. Tarnell texted the group before, and he said he he just saw me walking in, he walking out, and he was walking in. I didn't even notice. I was I was looking down like I normally do. You know what's tough though? We train. It's pitch black. We're basically in the woods. You know, you got seven layers of clothes on, a hat. I don't know what you're dressing like to the gym. I'm sure it's not like what it's like when it's 10 degrees out at Owl Howell Park. I'm surprised you guys even recognize each other. <laughs> All right, yeah. so I, I, I got some, uh, some rapid-fire questions for you. First one, what is the worst training advice you've ever gotten in your life? And you could even say it was for me. I don't care. What, what was it? To continuously eat, to eat nonstop if you want to get big. That's the worst advice you could ever get. <laughs> now, when did you, when were you trying to get big? You were a pretty big guy as a junior, as a senior. Were you trying to get big for college, or when did somebody tell you this? So my freshman year of college, I mean, I worked out with you, and I was an offensive lineman. I went into college like 212 pounds. I mean, I got in really good shape with you, just working out, not even dieting really. And I got in really good shape. But the problem was, I was 210 pounds. I was strong as hell. But I was light. I mean, our nose tackle, who probably, if he didn't have such a messed up knee, he probably could have played in the NFL. He was tremendous. He was 285 pounds, shredded. And that, that guy was one of the strongest guys I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Uh, I remember we used to do Oklahoma's. And... uh calling people out our first uh, pads practice in college. I called him out. People were like, what are you, nuts? Like, I called him out. <laughs> <laughs> he tossed me about 20 feet in the air. I was like, get the hell out of here. So I was like, I got to put some weight on. I'm getting like tossed around. I'm holding my own, but I was like, I'm too light for this position. So I started eating and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then someone uh, gave me advice and if you wanna, like, you wanna get big, you gotta nonstop eat. Well, my body type—that's the worst advice someone could have ever gave me. I put a ton of fat on, but I mean, I lost it. But at first, I was putting tons and tons of weight on, which was not good for me, not good for my body. What was the heaviest you ever weighed? Two hundred and seventy-nine pounds. And just for the audience, how tall are you? Five. Five seven. And did you also get to a point in your life where you were ripped? Did you did you say that? Yes, you had... I did. 
I went from, so I was doing, so after college football ended, I go, what do I do now? I want to like compete and stuff, but you know, there's not much stuff and my friends don't do stuff like that. So I was like, nobody wants to play football or anything. So I love to lift weights. I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll get into strong man. And uh, I was like, I'm going to try and become the world's strongest man. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was the dream of my time. So I started lifting and I was putting up big weights at the time. I was eating a lot and I was huge. And then uh, I met a couple real strong men and they told me what really goes on behind the scenes. And I was like, I'm not about that type of life because I'm, I'm very anti-PEDs, uh, uh, aminos. I don't take any supplements, never have. I believe all your nutrition you get should be from the food you put in your body. I've always been like that since day one. I don't ever take shortcuts and I never, I so anti-shortcuts. So I was like, I don't want this. So at the time, I was 279 pounds. I'm like, well, I don't want to do this anymore. I was like, well, maybe I'll just get a six-pack. And uh, I watched that documentary, which I sent you. I want to look like that guy. I was like, well, if that guy does it, I'm like, that guy's not even an athlete. I'm like, I'm an athlete. I could do this. So I went from 279 down to 176. Wow. How, how long did that take? About a year. And, and I didn't, where, there was no fat burners, none of that. It was literally the most disciplined diet you've ever seen and hard work. That was it. What Was it fun? Uh, did you miss ice cream? No, I, I don't mind that lifestyle. The problem, the only problem with that lifestyle and eating like that is socially. And th- that's the biggest challenge. I mean, you go on a date. I mean, I'm ordering like, boy, I, I used to ask the chef, I'm like, just give me two plain grilled chicken. Don't put oil on it. And give me two pieces of steamed broccoli. And he used to look like like going on dates and stuff. They're like, you're going to drink? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> so how did you get past that? Because I'll be honest, that is one of my biggest struggles is to be, uh, I guess, socially accepted. Not that I care that much, but it is annoying. You know, you go out, you order grilled chicken, salad, a potato, maybe some broccoli, and people will make fun of you for six years. I oh, order. People, uh, it, it upsets people, too. Yeah. It, it almost shames them, right? Yeah. So how'd you get past it? Uh, I stuck it out. I mean, people used to get in my face. To like, I used to go to bars. I used to go down to the shore, and people were like, you're not going to drink? I'm like, oh, there's a lot of calories in that. <laughs> people are like, are you out of your mind? I'm like, so I used to go to the bar and, like, order waters and stuff. I was like, you know what? I was like, if I give the illusion I'm drinking, people won't know. So I used to go up to the bar. I used to, like, give me a cup of water. I'm like, put some, like, lemons and oranges in there. I used to drink it. <laughs> I swear, people didn't have any problem with that. I mean, there's little tricks like that, but going out to dinner and stuff, that was the worst. People used to just rip on you. Just uh, stumble around a little bit? Oh, no, I didn't stumble around. I used to just drink my water and keep ordering waters and just hydrate. By the end of the night, I was 100% hydrated. Go to bed, perfect. So you said you don't take any supplements. Are we talking anything like uh, fish oil pills, vitamins, nothing? You're saying that you're going to get all of your nutrition from food. I make sure I get my nutrition from food. I, I tip my hat to you, man. Now, I, I agree that That's in, not in my, it's not easy. In my life, I, that'd be a, a nice goal. So how do you – I'd say like I'm thinking about me. I bring protein shakes. I bring oats because I just – there's times where I can't get healthy food. How do you handle that? I, I honestly plan out every day. And now I'm not – Do you – now I'm going to be going on a cut, so I'm going to be extra planning out every day, every meal. You, if you don't plan out your meals, you're 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 already going to fail. It, Are you a five meal a day guy? No, three. I, I five is too much for me. I mean, I try to do the five the five small meals, but I like a little more substance. And then with my jobs and stuff, there's no way I could do th- five a day. Do you work from home? Yeah, do you get? I do. What about that's when you're work, on the road? That's the hardest thing, working from home. Working from home because most people, I mean, they're like, oh, you work from home. They think it's a party. It's definitely not a party. You got to get your work done. And two, you have more temptations now. Your, your temptations went up a hundredfold because now you're, you, you go upstairs. Like I'm working. I go out to the kitchen to get some water. I'm like, oh, you know, that's how you, a lot of people work at home, gain a ton of weight. Yeah, and there's not, you know, at work, when you're in a building, 
there's social norms where everybody eats lunch at 1130 or 12 o'clock. You know, maybe they have breakfast while they're there. But if you're at home, you could eat literally all day. Yeah. And if you have garbage in your house, then it's very easy to go, you know, get a glass of water and have a bag of potato chips and then just go sit down and mindlessly eat those potato chips while you're sitting at your computer. Also, that's that, that's the thing, too. When you work at home, people, any guys listen to this, if you do work, have a job where you work at home, I mean, you got to plan those meals out because I used to get lazy with that. I'm like, you know, I'll just instead of having meal prepping, I'm like, I'll just make it fresh that day. Well, I wake up, I work for a while. I'm like, now I'm starving. And now I got to cook a meal or I can grab something that's quick and easy, which is fattening and bad for you. And that's how it goes down. So when did you did you ever take supplements in your life? Like did you never do it and say one day, okay, I'm not doing this anymore? Or you never actually did. Correction it? with the no supplements. I do take a protein shake. That's it. No 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 other vitamins or anything. I'll do a protein shake, but I don't do it every day. I'll do it if if after the gym I'll have a shake and that's about it. And I think the beauty of the word supplement is that it's a supplement. So it's supposed to supplement the nutrition that you are not getting from having the ideal diet or because maybe food isn't as, uh, I'd say, healthy as it used to be. And maybe it's genetically modified or there's not the same nutrients in it that it used to have 100 years ago. Or you just don't have access to all the right stuff. So I, I tip my hat to you, man. I, I want to get there. I've often thought maybe I should stop bringing these protein shakes around and bring real food as my snack. I, I'm struggling with it. So yeah, I, mean, you I, eat I tip my hat. Chicken? You eat a piece of cold grilled chicken with nothing on it, you won't be hungry after that. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, do you ever feel unmotivated to go to the gym? And if yes, how do you get yourself in that mindset that I got to go and I got to get this in? Oh, yeah. I, I, everyone deals with that. There's not a single person in the world that's motivated every day to go to the gym. Uh, the, the trick to doing that is, is you, as you're talking yourself out of going, because it's very easy to do that. You're like, you know, I worked out yesterday and the day before, maybe a rest day. Yeah, as you're doing that, start putting your shoes on and getting in the car and go. Because once you're there, say nine out of ten people just work out and just won't leave. And a, workout, a bad workout is better than no workout. You see, you're saying just if you don't want to go, just get there. Just get there. Just and and, and something's gonna happen. Just get there. That's that's the only way to motivate yourself. Because once you're there, you're like, um, I'm here now. I might as well do it. So what about uh, these morning sessions? You said you hate waking up, waking up and working out early. How are you getting yourself out of bed to do this stuff? That that I like because you're competing and stuff. There's a group of guys. But if I was by myself, there would be probably 0% chance of living. <laughs> <laughs> so what are, your, what are your thoughts of what's going on with – you've been in the thing for three weeks. You've seen uh, individual challenges. You had the first tag team challenge. What are your thoughts of what's going on? Now we got a challenge with a riddle in it. Is this uh, is this blatant disrespect to a hard nosed grinder, or is do you find beauty in the way this thing's turning out? The riddle's a little offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and you get a minute. I was like, oh come on, just do the thing. So for those for those that don't know, I, there's two new things going on. We have a tag team challenge where we never had that before, so we actually have legitimate tag teams. And then in this last challenge, James Uske and Joe Trunzo decided to add a riddle into the middle of it. So someone has to push a prowler 70 yards, stop, then I will pose a riddle to that group. They have to answer that riddle, then they can push it back. As I'm asking the riddle, the, the clock is ticking. If they take longer than a minute to solve it, that's it. They time out, then they just go back, and it takes them a minute. If it takes them 10 seconds, they just go after 10 seconds. So there is uh, some now mental trickery going on inside of these challenges. <laughs> so uh, what is something that you used to believe to be true about training that you now know is false? We talked about the eating thing, but let's talk about actual in-the-gym stuff or maybe even on-the-field stuff. Say you had to go. Say you had to lift four to five days a week. I mean, you got to listen to your body with that. I mean, there, there's days where there's weeks where you probably can lift four or five times a week and feel great, but there's other times where your body's breaking down. You need to rest. You need those muscles to recover. I'm talking advanced training people. I'm not talking about the regular average Joe that goes to the gym because chances are that guy will never overtrain. 
You mean the guy that you saw in the gym that only did two exercises and was looking at his biceps the whole time? He'll never overtrain. <laughs> <laughs> so what is something that you – and I, you're, you are one of the toughest guys I've ever met in my life. What is something you do in the gym now that people look at you and think that you're crazy? <laughs> Strict uh, dumbbell military press. So dumbbell military press. Okay, so strict, are you uh, – Strict, no, no bounds, nothing. And are you are your hands are they neutral grip? Are they facing each other? Or are they facing forward? They're facing forward. And uh, well, I do. I I go pretty heavy with them. I was doing one uh, tens the other day, and uh, that's pretty crazy. I was, I was doing it, say... but I was screaming while I was doing it. So it was really, and it's the YMCA, so it was really perturbing people. I was thinking that dumbbell military press, not that crazy. Strict, kind of crazy. Strict 110-pound dumbbell military press, that's pretty crazy. So you're standing up. You're not sitting down. As I'm doing, I'm screaming, but I have my headphones on, so I have no idea what I'm saying or screaming. But I'm screaming pretty loud because I can see in the mirror that there's a lot of people looking. (laughs) Now, is there a piece of advice that you ever gave that you'd say now in hindsight was pretty dumb as you know, maybe you're helping somebody train or you're giving some bro science out. You cut, cut out for a second. I missed that question. Ah, is there a piece of advice that you ever gave in the gym to somebody that now in hindsight, you say that that's pretty dumb. I try not to give out advice. <laughs> All right. Fa- fair enough. Uh, I, I I'll tell you this though, you know, in our group chats for advanced training, You've definitely impressed me with how much you seem to have learned and, and I'd say educated yourself on these topics of nutrition, on strength. Where where are you going to for this sources of information aside from watching that YouTube video of I want to look like that guy? Uh, just I did a lot of trial and error, man, and most of it was error. I, I've made every mistake possible as an athlete. <laughs> That's not even a lie. I mean, besides PEDs, that I ever besides that, every training mistake I've made, every eating mistake I've made, and it's just trial and error. And then when I learn, I'm like, I look it up. I'm like, oh shoot, <laughs> the knowledge is there. Is there one specific error that you made that sticks out the most that that led to success later on? Yeah, the d- nutrition, hands down, nutrition is is almost more is is definitely more important than training and i used to hear people say that and then like i used to just kind of wave it off and then uh when i was heavy training like heavy heavyweight training i i realized how important nutrition is and what an effect it does nutrition and sleep sleep beyond anything i'm not a great sleeper so i i could tell days when i have a good sleep and a bad sleep and it affects everything in your life especially with nutrition too. I mean, and when I was first doing that cut, I, I just did it. I didn't really look up stuff. I just did it based on what I thought. But now I have a little more education with it because there were some times in the gym where I didn't eat enough and I had no energy in the gym. And like my lifts went down like probably 10, 15% on that day. When a week later, I would eat enough food and have a great workout. So nutrition and sleep are the number one things for making yourself a better athlete. And look, man, I'll go back. Not, not that anybody's interviewing me, but if I was interviewing myself, that might be something that I would change aside from the crazy warm-up we used to do. But we didn't talk about that at all. And I think when I was training you, I might have been, I don't know, 25, 26. I was a young guy, and I was like a professional eater. And I just tried to outtrain my mouth. So we never talked about nutrition. We just talked about working out. I don't even think I talked to you about sleep. I thought I was invincible at that point. So I think as a guy who maybe might have been an early influence in your life in high school, I didn't tell you any of that stuff. So I didn't put you on the right path. And now that's something that we're constantly talking about with these guys and almost more than training. You see it in our group chats with this crew. It's a lot of it is about what are you eating? You know, what how you feeling? Are we getting enough sleep? You know, even guys that I thought were like the ultimate tough guys are talking about sleep, which is generally seen to be a soft thing. So that's a, another good call out, man. It's good to have a, a wise older veteran on the line here. Oh, and alcohol too, man. Alcohol is the worst. I like to drink, man. And I like to drink probably more than anyone person in this group, but alcohol, man, really screws your training up. If you guys have goals, you got to cut it down. So did you have a Jersey Shore period where you did drink? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> and was that before or after or both of when you didn't drink? Both. So I guess your friends had seen you drinking and then that's why they were like, you're going to go there and not drink. Yeah. Oh yeah. Man, that's 100%. hard. He's like, come on, man. Oh, I used to get in my face. And I was like, ah, I used to try and drive and stuff just to, to alleviate that. Did anyone, it's so hard to get people to support you on your goals, which is why it's great that we have our crew. You're trying to get ripped. Did anyone say good for you, man? Don't drink. Never. <laughs> Never. And then if you did, if people saw you losing weight, like, oh, you could have one. Come on. You could have it. Look at you. You lost weight. Come on. You look great. Yeah, you look great. Have that piece of pizza. What was the name of that, that pizza place outside? Did you go to DJ's? Is that where you went at the shore or no? Oh, yeah. DJ's, Jenkinson's. And there's a pizza place, if I remember, right outside of DJ's. And it's like it was on the way back to my shore house. And it was almost impossible to not go there. <laughs> so if you didn't do it, I, I respect that heavily. All right, man, last question for you. Last question, and then we will wrap this up. And I, this is my selfish question to every person that comes on the podcast. So what is one life lesson that you can give to me on how to simplify or remove clutter from my life? And it doesn't have to be about lifting. It could be in anything. Oh, my favorite topic. I can go on for days about this, but I'll keep it short. List. Make list. If you want to accomplish something, I mean, Manos used to scream, and I used to make fun of it until I got a little older. I realized how true it was. I don't know it was like a high school football coach just blowing smoke up your, you know what. <laughs> but if you have goals, and you have a goal you want to achieve, you write that goal down, and you put that right by your light switch in your room. And every time, every day you wake up, you turn that light on, you see that goal. That should be your first motivation. Like, I have, whatever I do, I have to accomplish this goal or getting to this goal today and then you got to make list i make list like i make a new list every day of my life of what i have to accomplish that day and every day and most of the time i don't hit 50 percent of it because i'm overzealous and i think i can do everything in a day but i still accomplish way more than i would have so let, let's talk about this a little bit when do you make the list is it the night before or is no, it as soon first, as you wake up as soon as i wake up and do you prioritize the list or you just jot down everything that you're going to do? Well, I make two lists, actually. <laughs> I make a list of everything I got to do, and I, got, I make another priority list. Like, all right, these are the 10 things I got to get done today. And then I make a list like, this is the order we're going to do them. I, I like it. All right, so there's my next thought on this topic because I could talk about this all day too. I heard a great quote that said, people overestimate what they get done in a day and underestimate what they can get done in a year. And the way I took that was, was my lists are too long. I'm putting too much stuff on it, and I'm getting depressed. So I, for me, I'm a list guy, but I normally – I've started to cut it down so I can feel like I'm winning. So instead of 10 things, I'll put – these are three things that I must get done today. If I don't get them done, I'm a failure. It's, it's helped me out a lot psychologically and then usually can backfill in the time with other stuff after I do it. And, and what do you put this list on? Is it a digital? Is it on paper? How, how do you uh, manage my, my Excel spreadsheet. Ah, okay. So you got a your, your computer is it on or you got to log in and then you type it in. Log in, type as soon as I get to work, I type it in. And is the does the list is it personal stuff, work stuff, or a combination of both? Well, there's there's two because there's two parts of your day. Everyone goes to work and then everyone after work. So there's the work list and then there's the list for after work. So when did you? Because I know Coach Manos talked about to write it down. Did he also talk about making the list? No, that's something I just started doing myself. And I'd say for me, because uh, I love this stuff, I've started to make my list at night because I am a, a worrier. And if I don't make that list, I, I struggle sleeping. So I'm like, let me write this down. And then I wake up and I just just go, just go. Yeah, I, I never thought to do it at night. I might start doing it. I might be up all night though, right? list. <laughs> So I'm just thinking through your persona. I know I said it was the last question, but you said you hate waiting in the gym. What trick? Because I hate waiting in the gym. <laughs> I hate it. So imagine like you got this great workout plan. You got this whole sheet written up and you're going to do, uh, I don't know. I always like to say this one, pull-ups. And then somebody goes in that cable rack for 20 minutes and it's impossible to get in there. What do you do? How do you get around that? Do you have a plan B in your head? Do you cordon off areas of the gym? 
how do you handle the, the not waiting in a gym? Oh, so uh, like la- like two weeks ago, I went to the gym. I want to bench, and I like to do my big lifts first and all my supplemental. So I went, I went to the bench. There's three guys sitting there, and I was getting annoyed. I was like, I want to do this first. I was like, we got 20 seconds before I do something else. So I went up to the guy. I go, how much you got left? He goes, 22 more sets. I go, 22 more sets. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? I was like, 22 sets of one or 20? He's like, no, 22 sets of five. I go, oh, no way. So I'll either change the work, the lift, the lift, or which I don't like to do. And it's not always the best thing to do. Or I'll do the rest of my workout. I mean, it's fo- think about football because this, this is also too. We, tr- we do our exercises in order. We kind of get in the regimen of doing that. But like if you're playing football, guess what? Your quarterback throws a pick. Now you're down by six. That's a change of the game, change of the flow, change of the plays, and change of everything. I mean, that's that's the good thing about football and life. I mean, it always throws a wrench at you. So life's not perfect. Your workout's never good. Your workout plan, I mean, perfect thing would be no one's in the gym. You get to do everything you want. But you sometimes you got to change it up. You got to do your next exercise and come back. Otherwise, you're waiting around. You're, you're losing your momentum, and you're you're wasting time. And, and you're not kidding, man. I, I don't know what it is, but people do do 20 sets of something. So I, I'll – because I'm thinking in the gym because we only have one pull-up bar. I got to get there. And it, it freaks me out because I'm like doing my first set of something, my second set. I'm working my way to, to that pull-up, and it's the last thing on my list. And I'm like, this guy's been in there since the minute I walked into this gym. How many sets of cable crossovers can this guy do? And it, I might ask him next time. Maybe it is 22 sets. Maybe that's a thing that I'm missing. But it, it kind of does – it irritates me. Because I can't get into that one pull-up rack or pull-up bar because the guy's doing cable crossovers the entire time. Oh, there's another trick to that, too. All you guys listening, if if you want to get on something and someone's on there, say, hey, man, I'm going to jump in with you. Don't even give them the option. Just tell them, I'm jumping in with you. And if they, most like Joe Schmoes don't know how to work out and whatnot, you're kind of bullying them because you kind of get them off if you're in there. But if I got to get it done, man, if it's a kill or be killed, and I'm going to kill. So you're not saying, do you mind if I jump in with you? You're just saying, I'm going to jump in with you. <laughs> well, I guess a guy as big as you, you can get away with that. Someone might launch me uh, out of the gym, but I guess you got to pick pick the person you're going to say that to. Yeah, don't pick the biggest guy in the gym. <laughs> All right, man. Listen, this has been great. I've kept you longer than I intended to. Great, uh, great having you back in the crew. I will see you Friday morning, and uh, I'm I, I am excited too, man. I'm excited to see what you're going to bring with this 190 uh, pound sandbag that you're about to bring to us. <laughs> We're going to pick up the intensity a little bit. All right, man. It's as Coach Hench said. You know you control this thing, right? You, you want this to be more intense. It's going to be on your back. All right. All right, Joe. Thank you, and I will see you on Friday morning. Bye. Good Friday morning. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>